Hello and welcome to People and Profit, our weekly look at the world of business and economics. I'm Brian Quinn. Coming up. In the wake of major document leaks and studies showing how wealthy individuals and multinational corporations avoid taxation, governments around the world are seeking to crack down. But are the measures being put into place effective? We'll speak with one of the authors of the EU Tax Observatory's latest report on global tax evasion. And is VinFast running out of juice? With a market value that once eclipsed Volkswagen and GM, Vietnam's homegrown electric vehicle maker has seen its shares tank amid a slew of setbacks. The Panama Papers, the Paradise Papers, the Pandora Papers. Recent years have seen a number of massive document leaks exposing the extent to which the world's wealthiest and most powerful individuals and its largest multinational firms seek to shield their assets from taxation, often in offshore tax havens using complex webs of shell companies. Those revelations sparked popular outcry as well as policy actions aimed at reining in tax evasion. A new report from an independent research organization affiliated with the Paris School of Economics is proposing a different approach to taxing the super-rich, focusing on wealth instead of income. Catherine Viet has the details. Getting billionaires to pay their fair share of taxes that's the proposal put forth in a new report from the EU Tax Observatory. It says the world's richest benefit from loopholes, including parking their wealth in shell companies to pay little or no income tax, with effective rates worth just 0 to 0.6 percent. To counter that, the observatory is recommending a global minimum tax of 2 percent to be levied on wealth rather than income. If implemented, such a plan could raise up to $250 billion annually from the 2,700 billionaires globally. While the report cautions such a coordinated international push could take years, it highlighted the success of global governments in tackling banking secrecy. What we show in the report is that it's not all black and white. The situation is mixed. There has been real progress which must be celebrated. The reduction of offshore tax fraud, i.e. the concealment of assets in tax havens, which has been made possible by a new form of international cooperation. The automatic exchange of banking information enforced since 2017. Meanwhile, the report cautioned that unfairness in taxation poses a risk to democracy as it deepens wealth inequality and erodes trust when the public feels that not everyone is paying their fair share. Now, governments have been trying to crack down on tax evasion in recent years, not just on, by wealthy individuals, but also by multinational corporations. And to get a better idea of how effective that response has been and what additional policies may be needed, I'm joined here by one of the report's authors, Paniotis Nikolaitis. He's research director at the EU Tax Observatory. Thanks so much uh, for taking the time to be with us here today. Uh, your report notes that this past decade has seen some major progress in combating tax evasion. Can you talk to us about some of the measures uh, that have been put into place, specifically this exchange of banking information? How does it work? Indeed. Uh, in the past, um, it was very easy for uh, any individual to park money in any uh, offshore destination. Um, and this, uh, this wealth, this money that was parked there, uh, could be hidden very easily from other uh, countries, especially the ones that the individuals were residents. Um, what happened um, in uh, uh, 2010, uh, the U.S. put uh, forward uh, um, 
uh, a regulation called FACTA, which uh, enabled individuals uh, to, uh, uh, to um, uh, make this information known. So countries uh, were required to send to the US uh, the information. And this triggered um, a procedure where other countries also adopted the, the same measure. So from 2014 onwards, other countries adopted this uh, automatic exchange where um, financial institutions share this information between them automatically with, without the individual needing to uh, intervene. Um, this process enabled, um, as we find in the report, um, the, uh, reveal, uh, to the information to be revealed. Um, and so uh, countries can tax this information uh, without uh, um, uh, the, the individual's involvement. Um, we highlight in the report that this had an effective, uh, this was a very effective measure, but at the same time, um, we see some loopholes that started to exist, especially uh, in real uh, estate, uh, individuals shifting their wealth in other uh, ways so that uh, they can benefit from information that is no ex uh, uh, not exchanged. Um, uh, this is uh, one of the main measures that took place. Um, a second measure that took place, uh, especially in 2021, has been uh, the minimum tax on uh, corporations, which is set at uh, 15%, but also with some loopholes as well. So, uh, as we mentioned in this report, it's pretty well known now that the world's wealthiest individuals tend to pay some of its lowest tax rates. Part of that is because so much of their wealth is held in these unrealized assets, be it shares in companies like Tesla or LVMH, et cetera. That's not their only tax dodge, though, as your report, uh, report rather points out. Can you talk about how billionaires avoid taxes and what can be done about it? Um, one way is uh, shell companies. Um, the ownership is the one uh, that is uh, hidden. Um, it's very easy for someone with significant amount of wealth uh, to create a shell company, park it in a, um, in a location um, somewhere, and then this information is not then exchanged. And at the same time, we don't know exactly the ownership of the specific firm. Um, the individual might receive income from the firm, but the whole wealth is hidden. And as a result, uh, it's, uh, the, the individuals at the very top of the income distribution, they pay very little tax. Um, one of the proposals that we make is to shift the focus on wealth, uh, to tax wealth instead of income, especially at the very top, because we find that income tax at the very top at least uh, fails. Others, indiv other individuals like uh, you, me, uh, anyone in the society pay about 30, 40% of their income in tax, but at the very top of the income distribution, if we take income, for example, it falls down to zero. So uh, this report also notes an increase in profit shifting uh, by multinational corporations. And this is in the wake of this 2021 agreement uh, brokered by the OECD that's intended to usher in a global minimum 15% uh, tax rate on corporate profits. How is that accord playing out in real world practice? Uh, well, uh, firstly, um, we have to give praise to countries that have come up with uh, this uh, measure. It's a, a very first coordinated attempt to uh, put a, a floor at the race to the bottom that we've seen in recent years. Uh, countries were competing between them and also multinational corporations that have the ability to shift uh, their, um, uh, their production to different countries. 
um, um, uh, were able to compete and drive uh, their effective tax rates to zero. Uh, so uh, it's a, a very first positive step uh, towards the fight uh, of uh, uh, tax avoidance by multinational uh, corporations. At the same time, uh, when countries went to the negotiating table and they started negotiating, they introduced some uh, loopholes that we find. One is the substance-based carve-outs, what is known as substance-based carve-outs, which essentially allows companies to benefit from um, uh, tax rates lower than the agreed 15%, even down to 0%, if they have real economic activity uh, in a specific country. Uh, we believe that this introduces a new form of competition between countries. This is number one. The second thing that we've seen being introduced in later years has been uh, the uh, tax credits uh, for green energy. Uh, potentially, this is a better form of competition as um, it enables countries to and companies to uh, cut CO2 emissions, but at the same time, it does allow them to subtract this value uh, from, um, uh, from the taxes paid. Um, but at the same time, uh, it creates a secondary market so they can trade them. And even if it, there is a company that does not invest in green energy, uh, it can uh, um, uh, buy uh, these uh, tax credits and benefit from um, uh, lower taxes. Um, we believe that uh, these loopholes, plus other loopholes that uh, have been introduced over the years, uh, need to be um, limited substantially and could bring extra revenue for the government and also improve the fairness uh, in the multinationals uh, corporation sector. All right. So some progress made uh, on global taxation, but plenty uh, more to be done. Paniotis Nikolaitis, uh, Research Director at the EU Tax Observatory. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us on People in It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Well, next, as more and more drivers around the world ditch their gas guzzlers and switch to electric, Vietnamese automaker VinFast is determined to ride the wave, but the company is finding it's an uphill battle, both to break into the American market and to win over drivers at home in Vietnam. Worldwide, VinFast sold just over 19,000 electric vehicles from April to September, falling far behind its 2023 target of 50,000. Its shares have now lost more than 90% of their value since a peak in late August. Emerald Maxwell reports. They're more and more noticeable on the streets of Hanoi. These teal blue taxis are electric vehicles manufactured by VinFast. But despite its brand recognition in Vietnam, the homegrown automaker is struggling to find buyers. In a country where two-wheelers still rule the roads, car sales are rising steadily. But of the around 280,000 new cars sold in 2022, just 7,400 of them were VinFast EVs. I saw lots of people commenting on social media that their EV had faults. In Vietnam, a car is a big purchase, so spending money on a non-perfect product doesn't make sense. Despite the government's encouragement to buy Vietnam-made products, Vietnamese consumers have more faith in established brands. They need time to trust the products. There's never been a domestic car brand before, and drivers in Vietnam are used to foreign brands. That analysis was motivation for VinFast to break into the U.S. market first. Our rationale is very simple. If the U.S. consumers buy our cars, then you know it's probably okay. For, for the people uh, around here to, to buy our cars. So it's an approval stamp to some extent. But it's not been an easy ride so far. 
Vinfast has entered the market at a time when EV prices are under pressure, led by cuts at market leader Tesla and to Chinese companies. Vinfast has stuck it out, thanks to the backing of its founder, Pham Nhat Vuong, Vietnam's richest man. In April, the company said it will receive a fresh round of funding worth $2.5 billion, of which $1 billion would be from its founder's pocket. That's it for this week's show. You can see all of our previous episodes on France24.com or listen on the podcast platform of your choice. In the meantime, feel free to reach out to us on social media and stay tuned. There's much more news and analysis coming up right here on France 24.